I need you to get your Bibles. I told Brother Landon I was going to do my very best tonight to be through by 8.30. Some of you are laughing. You don't think I can do that. I seem to have a problem sometimes of not knowing where to shut up. And then I say things I really should have just kept to myself. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We are going to continue tonight our study and what I have called the choices of champions and I know that word may not fit into your uh, way of thinking or your thoughts processes. If it doesn't, just call, just say overcomer. The choices of overcomers. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse number one. He said, wherefore, Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." And everybody said, Amen. I thought I was going to beat the rain tonight, but I don't guess that's going to happen. God bless you. You may be seated. I love this particular portion of Scripture, but I was really inspired when I began to dig deeper this week into this beginning verse. And I, I love reading different translations. And typically, anytime I prepare for a message, I'm going to check at least 10 to 15 different translations out just to get a better feel for what the Scripture is saying. I love the Amplified Bible. If you've never had one, I know there's a new version of it, but if you can find the old original version of the Amplified Bible. It is very inspiring when you're studying because it magnifies the meaning of some of the text to a, to a dimension that just opens your understanding of what the writer is trying to say. But with that being said, one of the translations that the New Century Version, as it is known. This is how it reads. We are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. I love that. 
We are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. Look at your neighbor and say, you are surrounded. You are surrounded. And you are, as some of you think, you're not surrounded by a bunch of losers. You are surrounded by a group of overcomers. All of us are surrounded by a company of those who have already conquered and they have already overcome and they are encouraging to you and I that we can do the same. We've been exploring this book of Hebrews and this statement led us because I believe it reflects the decisions and choices that an overcomer makes. I believe it has to do with the direction and the attitude and the mindset and so many other things that we choose uh, to do with our life. And it, to me, every time I read it now, not only in Hebrews, but in the other portions of the New Testament, in, it, it encapsulates a spiritual principle. I want to stop and figure out what is Paul or the writer trying to teach me about life. Let us. This is a good choice to make. And so it reminds me that I have options. I love that. I don't like to be hemmed in to where I don't have choice. Uh, we are not predestined by fate. We are not predestined by luck or chance or the roll of the dice or circumstances, nor am I cursed by my genetics or my family tree. There are some people that feel like their limitations in life are a result of their family background. Well, I just come from a long line of losers. Well, why don't you break that curse and become a winner? You have the option of doing that. You are not locked in. Your genetic makeup can be rewired if you know how. One of the doctors that I have gone to has written a book about your genetic makeup. And in essence, he teaches you how to overcome the setbacks of your own DNA, the, the way you're structured that can lead to different problems in life. And I, I, I believe that's what the Word tries to do to us, that our nature is sinful. It doesn't want to serve God. It doesn't want to pray. It doesn't want to do right. As a matter of fact, when it's given the opportunity, it will do the exact opposite of the will of God. But the Word of God is something that helps me channel that and bring that in into submission and crucify my flesh and not allow it to destroy my life or ruin me. Amen. Somebody say amen. Paul was right when he declared that life is a battle and we encounter forces every day that are set up to try and stop me or you 
and impede my spiritual progress. Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In the Greek, every one of those terms, principalities, powers, rulers, Spiritual wickedness is descriptive of a different level or a different class of evil that is working against you and I. So the enemy knows that he can't do it on one front, so he'll come another. And we must be wise and equip ourselves with the armor that Paul said. I love this. For every evil, there is an armor. And they, you have equipment. You, you, you're not, uh, vulnerable in, if you choose to arm yourself, truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace and faith and salvation and the word of God and prayer. That's one part of the, the, the armor that most people eliminate. They don't read that next verse, but if you read it in the original Greek and the text, it is part of what Paul was talking about. Prayer is just as vital to my overcoming as that helmet of salvation or, or the breastplate of righteousness or all of the other parts. So it's important for us to put it on. Now, in Greek mythology, the, the poet Homer wrote, uh, in, in a poem called the Iliad of a child that was born by the name of Achilles. I don't know if any of you remember from your days in high school, but when Achilles, when Achilles was born, it was foretold that he would die a young person, a, 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 a death as a young person. And so, to prevent this from happening, his mother Thetis took Achilles to the river Styx, and there it, that river was supposed to have powers of uh, invulnerability. And so she dipped this child in that body of water, hoping that she would protect him from whatever evil might befall him. The only problem was... There was a part of him that she didn't get under the water. And his life went on and Achilles grew. He became a great warrior. One day during the Trojan War, he fought with the Greek army and and none of their weapons were able to hurt him until the god Apollo knew the secret and revealed it to those so they could bring him down, and he told of where Achilles' weak spot was, and it was in his heel. And so it is not in the poem, but legend says that a person by the name of Paris shot him one day with a poisoned arrow in the heel and thus killed him. And from that ancient tale of Homer, we come to life with one of the most descriptive terms that any of us have ever heard. The Achilles heel. Amen. It means my weakness. It means my chink in the armor. It speaks of my 
fatal flaw or my most vulnerable place. And this is the reality that I want everybody to get tonight is that we all have them. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't act so uppity. You have it too. No, not me. I'm invincible. Every person in this building has that place, that spot, that area, that hill where we're vulnerable. It's not the same for everyone, but all of us equally share in that vulnerability. Naturally, you have it, and it plays a vital part in your ability to walk or run. And you have it spiritually as well. And so Paul, in writing to this New Testament church spoke of two things that make up the area of our spiritual challenges. He said it like this, lay aside every weight, comma, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Some people run that sentence together And they combine weight and sin as if it's one thing. And it is not speaking of one thing. It is speaking of two completely different issues that everybody in this building tonight has to deal with in some form or fashion in your life. And if you are an overcomer, you're going to absolutely have to know how to handle it. Amen. Let's talk about weights. Onkos is the Greek word, and it means an encumbrance, a hindrance, a burden, a weight. Means cumbersome. It means an influence that leads you in the wrong direction. There are no, uh, no people, no individuals that are exempt from having to deal with weights in their life. And they're the things that try to slow us down and impede our progress or hinder our movement and retard our growth. Or one translation said, Wounds that pierce us. That's a weight. And then he talked about sin. Hamartia, which means to miss the mark. It means you aimed, but you did not hit where you were aiming. The thing that you intended to do, you did not do. And you were not cap- you were not successful in your endeavor. 
And it is an indication if you miss the mark that either you were not careful when you let the arrow go or you was not paying attention. And it marks the difference between living casually, carelessly, or cautiously. It is an offense. It is a trespass. It is what will entangle you. And sins cripple us. They mar us. They hurt us. And sin, very clever. Interesting little caveat that I came across in studying is that the Greek tense of the phrase reflecting my choice about these two items is in continuous action. In the Greek, there are words that speak of a specific moment and time and that's it. Just that moment. But then... There are other times that the tense mean that it is progressive, it is continuing, that you don't do it just today, you do it tomorrow and the next day and the next and the next, and, and you never stop doing this. So the indication is from what Paul is saying is that I am never going to be once and done with sin and weights. I'm going to have to deal with them every day. I'm going to have to face them every day. I'm going to have to know how to manage them every day. Somebody say every day. Amen. He means every day. Every day. There's some people I've talked to before and they said, Brother Hughes, I don't understand this. I thought I won the victory over that a long time ago. You may have. But this isn't a long time ago. And you may be dealing it again, dealing with it again, because the devil has found a way to repackage it. And when he repackages it, we fall prey to it. But it's the same spirit behind it. Now, are you still with me? Don't be discouraged by that. And don't be intimidated by it. We should understand it and learn something so that we can overcome it and keep overcoming it. Now, the two words, weight and sin, when I got to looking at them and and thinking about them, I think they are... Most reflective in our life, they are manifest in two ways. Through our flesh and through our will. And those are two things that you are never going to win complete victory over. You and I are going to have to wrestle with our flesh that's why Paul, why do you think Paul said, I die daily? What was he? A man as spiritual, the man who wrote the majority of the New Testament. What did he have to die over? I mean, he had died a thousand deaths already. 
He wasn't dying to things that were around him. He was dying to things that were trying to destroy him from within. And there's a part of this spiritual journey that takes daily work. And you've got to be mindful that when I get up today, I must make sure that I put the whole armor of God on and I keep it on through the day because I don't want to fall prey to my enemy who is so crafty. You're going to always deal with your will. The human will is contrary to the will of God, and it has to be brought under submission. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, some say, well, the reason that he prayed so desperately and earnestly was because he didn't want to drink that cup. I'm going to tell you why I believe this desperation was there. That was part of it. But the bigger part of it was he was wrestling with his human fleshly will. And I know that because his final statement was not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. Everybody said amen. So this is what I want you to write down in your memory. Before we were converted and filled with the Holy Ghost, we sinned because it was our nature. But when we sin after that we have received the Holy Ghost, it is because of our choice. Because our nature has been Change according to Paul, we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. So my nature, that that nature, that that part of that me that is my identity, has been made new in in a sense through God. But when I sin from that point forward. I'm not sinning because my, it's my nature to sin. I'm sinning because I chose to walk across that line, to ignore that principle, to violate that word. And it's, it's very important that we understand that. The devil may have tricked us, but we chose it. Amen. Now, Here's what I want you to put down in your notes or if you're writing notes or etch it in your mind. An overcomer is not one, and I know this isn't good English because every time I wrote it in the computer today, it came up with a red light and said, you need to reword this. But I'm going to say it anyway because this is how the Lord said it to me. Maybe the, maybe it was me that said it to me. I'm not going to blame the Lord for bad grammar. But an overcomer is not one with no problems, no shortcomings, no failures. Because every champion has his Achilles heel. Every overcomer of all times have had their weaknesses. Abraham is the father of the faithful. And yet he had a tendency to lie. 
when put under pressure. Woo! David was a man after God's own heart. And yet when he put himself in the wrong environment, he committed an almost unpardonable sin. He he desired another man's wife. He conspired to kill her husband so that he could cover up his own sin. And yet when God speaks of David and he talks about David in the time past that event, God does not say, David, the adulterer, David, the fornicator. He doesn't say, Abraham, the liar. He pronounces him, Abraham, the father of the faithful. David, a man after mine own heart. You see, God wants you and I to understand that it's not a sin to have a problem, but it is a problem when you let your problems conquer you. Amen. Now, each one of us have something that could be our downfall at the end of the day if we do not handle it properly. Amen. And you and I are responsible for putting ourselves in a position to limit the exposure of those weaknesses while maximizing our strengths. Now, you know what? I don't like my weaknesses. I don't like the fact that I have them. Do you like your weaknesses? No. Most of us despise them. That's what makes us have self-hate sometimes. Is because we know us better than anybody else knows us. They think we're all Holy Ghost filled. But they don't see us when we're away from here. And we're having to deal with some nitwit on the freeway. That's just cut us off. And and we have a tendency or propensity to to uh, uh, whatever. Or, or, you know, somebody gives us more money back than we deserve. And... And we just count it as a blessing from God and put it in our pocket and walk out the door? Now, I know none of you do that, so please don't think I'm preaching toward you tonight. But it's my responsibility. It's my duty. It is not a shame to have a weakness. It is a shame to let that weakness define me. It is a shame to let that thing beat me. An overcomer is one who does not let his problems, his weakness, his weakness in sin, his weakness in carrying too much stuff, having too many things that are weighing him down, letting too many things get attached to him. He doesn't let that define him. He finds a way to overcome them. He he finds a place to repent. We do not let our failures cripple us, and we do not let our weaknesses win. Amen. 
It's not a shame to miss the mark. It is a shame if you keep missing the mark. Amen. If you sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen. He is. He made a remedy. He made an option for me to choose that would help me deal with my shortcomings. But I become a loser in life when I allow my missed marks to become a habit. And then I make it an excuse. Amen. Though it's part of my life, I have to make certain that it does not define my life. Amen. Somebody say, I'm not going to let it define me. Amen. I wrote this down. I acknowledge my weakness, but I do not acquiesce to that weakness. I recognize that I have them. I recognize that I have the ability to do wrong and miss the mark, but that's not what I'm aiming for. That's not what I'm reaching for. And so this is something that I've tried to tell people through the years about life and about marriage. Every marriage has its strengths and weaknesses. Now, we wish that we could cut all of the weaknesses out and and just have all the strength remain. But if you cut the weakness out, you destroy the strength. Because, well, I don't know. This will have to do. We'll call this heads. And this is tail. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. Now, I hate this side. I hate it. Anybody hate this side? All right. But if I take this side away, you go down to target with just this side if that's even possible, but if you could manufacture a piece of paper that only had this side on it, they wouldn't take it because it's not legal tender. It's got to have this and this. And my weaknesses are just as vital to my life as my strengths are. Because my weaknesses teach me Where I need to be submitted to God. And how I need to humble myself before God. And so this is what I tell people. You live by your strengths. But you manage your weaknesses. And if you don't learn how to manage them, if you don't learn how to identify them, but not let them identify you, you will find yourself tasting the bitter fruit of failure and, and wonder what happened? Why, why did this happen? And when you begin to understand that, you have a deeper understanding of what Paul was writing about in 2 Corinthians when he talked about that thorn in the flesh. 
that he had in his life and he prayed for God to take it away. And God simply said, my strength is made perfect. My strength is perfected in your weakness. And so Paul said, I will therefore rather glory in my infirmities. I'm going to quit fighting it. I'm going to learn how to make it work for me. Amen. So how do overcomers deal with these things? Well, we put them away. We let, he said, let us put away. Let us put aside every weight and sin. So one translation of that word means you put away from you. You distance yourself from those things. You, you get away from them. You don't know, you, you don't keep dragging them through your life and, and saying, well, you know, I was just born with this. Another translation of the word means to cast off, throw it away, get, get it out of your possession. It comes from a root word which literally means separation. There has to be in my life and the life of you, any overcomer, a separation from things, some sin, separating from that so that I am not identified by that. I may fall prey to it, but I'm not going to be identified to it or identified by it. You put it away. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child, I'm just loose translation. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, what did I do? I put away some things. You fold them and you put them away. Amen. If there's a part of your life that you continually struggle with, you need to spend enough prayer time and enough time seeking God and humbling yourself before Him that He can help you pack that away and realize you don't need to have that to live for Him. Amen. Take it off. Like a garment. Don't, don't keep wearing it. Depression. Depression is a garment that we allow the enemy to slip around us that's heavy. That's why the Old Testament prophet said he will give you the garment of praise for the spirit. The spirit is a covering for that thing that you've been wearing for the garment of heaviness. Amen. So. You've got to take some stuff off. And I have many scriptures I could give you for all of this. Ephesians 4.22, Colossians 3.8 and 9. Take it off. Putting away. Uh, depart. Everybody say depart. That's another translation of that word lay aside or that statement lay aside. Depart. Paul said to Timothy, depart from iniquity. Amen. Don't let that be identified in your life. Cast it off. Romans 13 and 12. 
Put away Ephesians 4.31. And I'm sure you can find many others, but for the sake of time, I'm already out of time. So here's what I hear the encourager of the Psalms tell me. Psalm 37.23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. And then I hear the words of the wise man and his wisdom when he said in Proverbs, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And then I hear the bold declaration of the prophet Micah say, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, thou shalt be a light unto me. Don't you gloat over me. Don't you rave over me. Because I. this is not who I am. And I am not going to let this identify me. Amen. The secret to overcoming in life is... And again, this is one of those wrong sentences, is to not never get knocked down, but to get back up when you do get knocked down. Now, I know that's too much for some of you that are spiritual, deeply spiritual. You you just can't imagine being knocked down. But there's some of us that are still struggling, and we get knocked down. Life just gives us a wallop. We got sucker punched. We weren't even looking for it. We were in the wrong place or we let our mind entertain things we shouldn't have. Next thing you know, we're down. We've fallen. We've done something we shouldn't have done. That's not, that's not the end. So get up. It's not wrong. A champion, an overcomer is not one who never gets knocked down. He just finds a way to get back up. And you know what? The devil can't stop a man that gets back up. Don't you know that's got to frustrate the devil? He can scheme. He can plan. He can do all this stuff. It doesn't matter what he tries. If you recognize there's some areas of my life I have to be careful of. And, 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 and to stay submitted. And to stay humble before God. And to acknowledge those things but not accept them. I, I, I have them but I don't like them. And I'm going to overcome them. Let's stand together. In the field of athletics, there's a, a name that has long been forgotten by most people. But it has been enshrined in the Hall of Fame of the fields of athleticism for a long, long time. It was a name that was common when I was a child, a young person. He was a prodigy. He was a almost freak of nature who appeared on the running scene with a talent that was far beyond his contemporaries. He made a statement in his own memoirs that one time he prayed and asked the Lord, said, God, you got to help me figure out what I am here for because I'm running out of time. He said he couldn't play basketball. He didn't know how to play football. He was, he, he was not gifted in all of the other talents that other sports 
fans and fanatics were involved in. But there was one thing that he began to do and and his name went down in history. His name was Jim Ryan. Anybody ever remember hearing Jim Ryan? If you're a sports person, you might. He's a name that I'm familiar with because I I tried to do what he did when I was in school. But it, Jim Ryan, at the age of 17, as a high schooler, broke the four-minute mile barrier for the first time. Now, folks, I don't know if you've ever tried to run a mile. Some of us can't even walk a mile. But he ran a mile in under four minutes, 17 years of age. In 1964, he represented the United States of America in the Olympics. And at the age of 18, he ran a 3.553, breaking the American mile record, a record that would stand for quite some time. And today, almost 50 years later, he still holds five of the six fastest mile times in U.S. history and school history. In his five years at the top, he consistently performed at the highest level, breaking four world records. He held records in the 880 run, the 1,500-meter run, and the one-mile run. 1966, the Kansas University graduated him, and he won the Sullivan Award. And that year was Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year. In 2003, ESPN selected Ryan as the best, get this, the best high school athlete ever. That included LeBron James and Tiger Woods. He appeared on the cover of seven Sports Illustrated, which is still a record. And yet he lost his bid for the 1968 Olympics because of all things, a weight, a flaw, a chink in his armor. You see, this young man that had won the world over with his feats and his speed did not like to run in the rain. (laughs) What an appropriate closing. He didn't like to run in the rain. He said it, the, the moisture got down in his socks inside of his shoes and it made it difficult to keep his traction and, and to really get a grip on the track and run. And so it just so happened that at this Olympic, in this race, it rained and he lost. 
And later, it would be conceded that the rain was really not in his socks. It was in his mind. Because he just didn't think he could do it under those, in those conditions. He, he just didn't think that he could, he, that he could perform at his peak under those circumstances. And though he had already proven to the world his, his capabilities and he had already outrun several of the fastest men in the world, he failed on this occasion. And he never won an Olympic gold because he had a weakness that he never did conquer. And that, that's, that's a true story, folks. I didn't make that up. And the fact is, every one of us have the same problem. We have weaknesses. We have areas where we're vulnerable. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to try to hide and act like. That's denial. Denial is a, is a tragic thing to let ever get started in your life. Because what it does is it keeps you from being delivered. It keeps you from overcoming. I'm so thankful that the Word of God is full of men and women who had their weaknesses, but they showed us how to overcome them. Amen. They showed us how to rise above them. Amen. And you and I can do the same. You and I can do the same. David, I reference him and I'm, I'm going to shut up. David faced several issues and giants in his life. A lion, a bear, Goliath. Saul, interesting thing is, you can't deal with every adversity the same way. You can't deal with every lion, I mean, with, 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 with every uh, enemy the same way. The lion and the bear, he slew with his hands. The giant Goliath, he slew with the sling and a stone. But he never conquered Saul. The Bible says, read it in the book of 1 Samuel, that Saul pursued him every day. And yet the interesting thing is that it was out of that window of David's life that some of his greatest psalms came. His greatest songs came out of that time of intense struggle when he could not understand why does he hate me like this? Why does he keep pursuing me? Why won't he go away? What have I done to deserve? All I was doing was just playing the harp trying to soothe his old wicked spirit anyway. And now he's after me. You know how he overcame him? He overcame him through his psalms, which spoke of prayer and praise. You, you, you can take this to a lot of your enemies, 
a lot of your Goliaths, and you can bring them down. But there's some issues you're going to deal with in your life that you're going to have to conquer through your knees and through your hands lifted up and say, you know what? I'm going to pray my way through, and I'm going to worship my way through to victory. This does not define me. This is not who I am. This is not what God said I can be. And so we have a choice. I want to, I want to be an overcomer. I don't know about you. Amen. I, I don't even like the term loser anyway, but I, I, I and I, I don't even want to use that, but I love the implications of an overcomer. And I really love it when I go to Revelations and read what the book says about those who overcome. Amen. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us? to be stronger and make us greater overcomers. Lord, to deal with these things that that assault us, that try to cause us to stumble, the weaknesses that are inflicted upon us, our flesh that rises up and, re- and refuses to do the right thing and it wants to partake of the wrong thing and help us, God, to stay repented and and stay repentant and humble ourselves before your mighty hand and oh God help us to learn how to overcome that thing in our life that the enemy has sent to destroy us by but you will use to help make us who you want us to be hallelujah amen Now I want you to turn to that person next to you and say, give me a little slack. He ain't through with me yet. Amen. He ain't through with me yet. And I'm full of grammatical mistakes today, but he ain't through with me yet. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight, church. I didn't do it. God bless you. I love you.